Well, hello again. Um, <laughs> last week, I believe Adrian uh, started a series, a short series on the fruit of Christmas, and I believe he spoke about hope. Um, he's nodding, that's a good sign. Um, so we're going to continue that today. We're going to look at another one of the fruits of Christmas, um, and that is joy. Joy, I think, is a really interesting one, because we talk a lot about joy at Christmas, don't we? It's on the front of every Christmas card. It's, um, it's in half the carols we sung today. I don't know if you picked that up, but we talk about joy in a lot of Christmas carols. Uh, if you've ever watched a Christmas movie, I'm a huge fan of Christmas movies. Joy is the main theme of pretty much every one. Um, and at this time of year, it's kind of like we crave joy, don't we? We, we want to see everyone having fun and happy. Um, sometimes we even go out of our way to make, uh, make sure people experience joy at Christmas time. I was actually speaking to a friend um, earlier this week, and um, she was saying that um, because of uh, the, the locations of different family members, she's doing family with her adult kids this weekend. Uh, she's doing Christmas with her adult kids this weekend. Um, and, and she said, you know, I always spend so much time at Christmas um, trying to play the peacemaker and going back and forth between people and trying to make sure no one's disagreeing and everyone feels seen and heard because I just want everyone to get along. I just want everyone to be happy. Um, she said, it's so exhausting. Um, and I, I, I just saw a few people nodding, <laughs> which is good because I was going to say, I'm pretty sure she's not the only one who spends their Christmas doing that. Um, and sometimes family dynamics can be tricky to navigate, and we really want everyone to just get along and just for one day put everything aside and be happy. I've got to say, it doesn't sound like a joyful way to spend Christmas uh, for the person who is running around trying to navigate all those relationships. Um, but isn't that what we do so often? Uh, I think it's really, really common. Um, but I don't know if you've noticed... That's the only time of year where we're that hyper-focused on joy. Um, and I wonder how many of you, or how many of us, myself included, put that much effort into joy, our own joy, or the joy of others in, say, September, or March, or July, or any month other than December, or even any, any kind of day other than Christmas Day. Um, it's sort of a Christmas thing sometimes, isn't it? But I don't think that's accurate. Um, next slide, please. I think we've got um, a lot in the Bible about joy. Um, it's kind of in everything, and, and um, I actually think it's, it's one of the more significant themes of the Bible is joy. Um, the Bible talks a bit about um, sources of joy, um, and I want you to notice it doesn't doesn't really limit it to specific times of year, specific days. Uh, it talks about, um, these ones are all Old Testament ones, but it talks about an abundant harvest, good wine and good food. Uh, it talks about weddings and children as, as things that bring people joy, and I, I kind of think, yep, I can see that. Good food, a good meal shared with friends, yep. I always feel really joyful when I'm at a wedding, yep. That tracks. Um, but it also says some stuff about joy that uh, might be surprising or even a little confusing. Um, I think of the time when Moses led Israel out of Egypt, um, and these people have just left their homes. Um, they have crossed the sea, 
um, on dry land, which is a very weird thing to do, and I, I can imagine that's an experience that would never have left them. Um, they're out in the middle of the desert. They're very vulnerable to attack. These people are not trained soldiers. They've just been slaves. Um, they're, they're really vulnerable. They've got no sources of food or water, and what do they do? They stop, they drop everything, and they rejoice. They express their joy, and they praise God. Um, I'm also thinking about Paul, um, and he talks a lot in, in a lot of his letters about, you know, he, he wrote a lot of stuff while he was in prison, and he talks about rejoicing in prison, being joyful in his chains. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for him being in prison, but it doesn't sound like a joyful experience to me. And neither does being stuck out in the desert with no food or water. Uh, there's one thing, though, in the Bible, one event that is described as being a source of universal joy. We've actually already had that passage read out today, um, but let's read it again. It's the passage from Luke 8. Um, have we had it? Luke 2, 8 to 15. Uh, we have not, actually. That's No, we have. My mistake. <laughs> um, yes, we have. Um, I'm going to read it again because it, it talks about joy for all the people, and I think that's really important. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest sorry, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the, angel had le- when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So this good news that will bring all the people great joy, um, it's not limited to, it will bring all, all the people today here in this place great joy. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it'll bring great joy to um, this one family who've just had a baby, which is, a, for most people, a joyful experience. It doesn't say it will bring great joy to all the people in Bethlehem uh, on this particular night. It just says it will bring great joy to all the people. That's a really expansive sentence. There's no limit to that. Um, and this, this good news that will bring us all great joy, it's God incarnate, as we say. God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who caused the sun to rise this morning and will cause it to set tonight, uh, the one who causes the plants to grow um, and, and the birds to sing, choosing to become human, to walk with us on this earth, to live as one of us, and eventually to sacrifice himself so that we can have life. Jesus is the source of our joy. Uh, And there's joy all throughout the Christmas story, isn't there? All of these readings that we've had today are full of joy. Uh, There's joy to be gained from seeing how God released Elizabeth and Zechariah from the shame they felt because of their childlessness. There's joy in seeing God choose a young girl, a nobody, to deliver his presence into the world. There's joy in watching Joseph choose to honour and support Mary's calling instead of leaving her for potential public disgrace. 
There's joy in seeing God choose the least obvious, least important group of people to receive the announcement of this good news. The shepherds, they were out in the field by themselves. Who are they going to tell? And yet Jesus, God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to these people. And there's joy in that. And there's especially joy in looking at all of these things and, and seeing what they say to us about who God is and how he works. He works through the least of these. We don't have to be qualified. We don't have to be important or well-known. We just have to obey him and love him. So this passage, um, all of these passages that have been read today, it's this moment in time is at the very heart of what true joy is and where it comes from. So what is joy? What's its purpose? Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't come with a nice little um, page of definitions at the back where the authors of the Bible have very carefully defined all of the words that they use. That'd be nice sometimes. Uh, that doesn't uh, exist, unfortunately, in that, in that form. But if you look at the ways in which the Bible talks about joy, all throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, uh, we can see... I think where it's going. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Bible Project. If you haven't, I recommend looking them up. They have defined joy in a way that I think just makes a lot of sense. It's up there on the screen. Joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because they're hoping God's love, because of their hope in God's love and promise. Yeah? Let's read that one again because it's good. Joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Let's look at some of those examples again. The Israelites weren't full of joy because they were stuck in the desert with no food and no water. They were joyful because exiting Egypt was the first step in God fulfilling his promise to them, a promise that they had held on to for so long. Paul wasn't joyful because prison was such a great place to be. He was joyful because his hope was in Jesus and he knew that Jesus was with him, that he was not alone in that. He knew he was going on to better things no matter what the outcome of his stay in prison would be. Our joy doesn't come from the fact that a baby happens to have been born in the first century. Lots of babies were born in the first century, otherwise there wouldn't be that, this many humans here today. Our joy comes from the knowledge that that baby is the fulfillment of God's promise to us, the expression of his love to us, and the hope that we can have because of Jesus. And um, I think that's good news in more ways than one. Because if Jesus is the source of our joy, that doesn't change, right? That doesn't leave us. Uh, it never goes away because Jesus' love for us, his sacrifice for us, that doesn't change, that doesn't go away. That's a gift that's always there for us to take hold of, which means that joy is always there for us to take hold of. Not just at Christmas time, after wrestling with everyone in your family to just get them to put aside their argument for one day so that we can be joyful. Not just in the lead up to Christmas, when we're trying to decorate the house and, and decide what food everyone will like and, and buy all the presents, those are not 
I mean, they can be joyful experiences, but sometimes they're not. Um, joy is always with us, and that's why when we look at those among us who suffer, those among us who, who have illness or grief, have you ever looked at someone, a fellow believer, in, in the midst of all of this incredible hardship and just seen joy? It's kind of strange. It's, it's actually, it's very strange. Um, you think, you should be sad. What are you doing? It's because that joy is based on something that doesn't leave, that won't be taken away. We don't have to grieve the loss of the source of our joy. And, and when our focus is on Jesus, and, and when we, we understand the place of Jesus at the center of our lives, as the foundation of our lives, we might not always feel happy in the moment, but we have a source of joy that's like a well inside of us. I often say joy is like potential. Everyone's got it. It's just getting it out there right? It's like a well. All you've got to do is, is lower a bucket and get the water out. Um, and so, so when we are uh, gathering with our families, when we are preparing ourselves to gather with our families, um, I just want to remind you that you don't have to work for joy. You don't have to force joy. In fact, I don't think joy can be forced. Um, I want to remind you that Jesus is where our joy comes from, and he's with you no matter what you do. He's with you no matter who's fighting or no, no matter what food you accidentally left in the oven for too long this morning. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's, he's with you everywhere um, and joy is with us everywhere. So if we, if we take one thing out of today, if we take one thing into Christmas, it's that Jesus is the center. Jesus is the source of our joy and I'm pretty sure, I wasn't in here last week, but I'm pretty sure Adrian said probably something similar about hope. Jesus is the source of our hope. Jesus is the source of our joy. Um, and that's the only thing that you need to worry about at Christmas. And I say that to myself as well. It's the only thing that we need to worry about at Christmas. Um, so I think Michael is coming up to pray. He doesn't look too surprised. That's a good sign. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone.